Track Talk listeners, how would you like daily podcast from the Olympic trials in Eugene? Hey, we've been doing it, but you got to be a supporting club member to get those in your feed. But after last night's action, releasing our analysis of the men's 800 meters where Donovan Brazier was upset and is not going to the Olympics. Clayton Murphy looks great. Everyone deserves to hear this audio. So we've got the first part of our show for everyone just as a sneak peek to show you what you can get if you join the Supporters Club today. Join today, $9.99 a month. It pays for itself. Buy a pair of shoes. You'll save 30 bucks right off the bat. So join today or join for the year to get a free t-shirt, summer training program. Highly recommend it. Let'srun.com slash subscribe. All right, here you go. Here's the first part of our show from last night talking about the men's 800 meters. Welcome, world, to a somber edition of the Let's Run.com track talk. Robert Johnson here. The Olympic aspirations of Donovan Brazier are over. Jenny Simpson's career may be over as well. All of that and much more on this show. Joined as always by my genetic equal and twin brother's wrong way. I'm trying to point to him, Weldon Johnson, nice Jeff writer. Better-looking version, younger version of Anderson Cooper, Jonathan Colt. Guys, amazing action. Three distance finals. We've finally been waiting for a bunch of finals. We got them tonight. We thought if we did the instant reaction show two hours afterwards, we would have our recaps done. But there's so much to write about. We didn't finish our recaps. We had to stop right in the middle of typing them up to give the masses what they want, the live reaction show. Yeah, Robert, you said it's going to be a somber edition. I'm buzzing still. This was the Olympic trials at their finest. This is why we hype up this meet so much, because you never know what's going to happen. The world champion, Donovan Brazier, finishes dead last. He ends up jogging in across the line in the 800. Ellie Puria front runs a 358. And look, I know she didn't make the team, but Abby Cooper gets fourth. You know, She's with the women's 5,000 leaders until the bell, fighting it out again at the Olympic trials. I mean, that was phenomenal. This was just a terrific day of action. And if you want to show anyone, any of your friends, non-track people, why this is the best meet in the, you know, in the country, why we rave about this, you just show them what we saw tonight. John, you're buzzing. I felt sick in my stomach after that men's 800. And I think that's where we have to start because that was the huge shocker of the night. And throughout the rounds, I, I said, Brazier doesn't look that this good. You know, I'm going to act like I predicted this, which I didn't. But I was like, is there any concern that he's kind of tight and not in the moment? Or am I just, am I the one freaking out? And they're like, everyone was like, you're the one freaking out, Weldon. But that final 200 meters when he just started fading, I, I felt sick in my stomach. That's what the trials is about. This guy f- 
for those of you who don't remember, four years ago, he was a freshman at Texas A&M, first on the scene, and was just, you know, killing everybody. I mean, he busted out one NCAAs, and went 143 to NCAAs, and then goes to trials and bombs out in the first round. And you're just like, oh, the nerves got to him. And I can't even remember what the excuse was that time. And then a little bit after that, you know, the first couple of years after that at USA's, we were nervous, but he made Worlds the next year. And we kind of thought, oh, that's behind us. He then becomes the world champion, the American record holder. So all the doubts about Donovan Brazier under pressure were gone. I mean, he's performed at the biggest stage in the world. And yet then this happens today. I can't even talk about Clayton Murphy running 143 low again and looking like maybe a gold medal threat. I think we have to do Brazier first, but I mean, did he choke? That's what everybody wants to know. Do you think this just was a choke job on the biggest stage? I think there are two things to factor in here, Weldon. One, we his preparation had not been ideal. He we knew, you know, he withdrew from what was it, Mount Sack earlier this year with a calf injury. He said, you know, his training hadn't been going great. But he made several, he was asked about injuries in the post race interview several times, and he pointed out repeatedly, "Yeah, I was, you know, I was banged up, I was fighting some stuff, but it's nothing that a champion couldn't over, couldn't overcome, and I'm not a champion this year because I couldn't overcome it." I thought I got to give him so much respect for sitting there answering the media's questions for ten minutes. He took that defeat like a man, you know, in a very emotional moment for him. But the other thing is, look, I don't know. He looked pre- he looked good. He ran one forty five flat in the first round and in this race if you remember last night my advice was if you're in this race don't let brazier just get out into second behind isaiah jewett the field didn't let him do that he had to move up he made a big move at 350 uh sorry about 350 meters into the race and he said after the race he just you know robert's maxim is you only get one move in the 800 brazier chose then to move and he just was cooked the last 200 so i think it was a combination of him not being 100 percent and also him overcooking it a little bit too early in the race. And I think it's kind of impossible to tell how much to apportion blame to each one of those two things. What was the second thing besides the, the big move, John? The second thing was him not just not being 100% going into this race. And Clayton Murphy was also not into 100%. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay, first of all, I've started a thread. and I maybe John doesn't like when I play audio on the on the podcast for some reason i think playing i love playing audio but i was going to play the whole entire brazier conference press conference i thought it was amazing i thought it was absolutely amazing he handled this defeat better than i've seen someone handle i mean i'm trying to think i've been covering the sport for what 20 something plus years i've seen people jump fences i we should, i said that one time i was going to start a list of people jumping fences to get away from the media when they have devastating defeats but i know i've never seen someone with this big of a devastating defeat in the distance world i've never seen a reigning world champion not make the olympic team so he just sat there and answered all the questions, didn't make any excuses. It was amazing. If you want to, I'm serious. If you have a child or whatever and you want to teach them how to react to discipline in life, go and, I started the thread, go and watch the Donovan Brazier video. This is a class act. I have more respect for him now than I did before this race. It was amazing. No excuses, nothing. Um, now, I got on to the interview late. I will say, folks, I learned from driving back from Virginia Beach, I had a high-speed accident, like 75 miles an hour. I may or may not have been watching track meets on my phone. When I had my accident. So today I was driving to the office because, I, I, folks, I'm not doing this podcast from home. I've got the real mic, the Rojo mic. I wanted it to be focused and in my element. I was driving a little bit late, and I pulled off the road to watch the 800. 
And I was like, holy crap, what just happened? But John, I did notice the move between around 350. I'm like, that's not really necessary. But I don't think, you only, I always say, you only have one move in the 800. But that was not big enough a move for someone that good to bomb. Like, he shouldn't have gone that quick. Like, there was a sudden acceleration. Like, I get wanting to go up there if he's trying to win the race. But Murphy wasn't that far behind him. Murphy, Murphy followed it up. Murphy negative splitted this race, folks. I've just started a thread. Is this the fastest negative split 800 in the history of the world? I imagine Boris Sarkovsky has one faster than this, but I've looked at it. There's a thread in Lunch Runner about Rudisha running a 143.5. This was 143.17, which is just amazing. So, yes, you get one move in the 800, John. I'm going to call that move in the first half a half move. So I'm not blaming that. And what I just said in my recap, it's not totally done, but the flash recap is up on the homepage right now. I said, it's really interesting to me what happens to Brazier the rest of the year. If he runs dominant, it's going to be weird. We're going to think, okay, he's a mental head case. And I got on that interview late, John, and I did ask a few questions. And they've been basically asking every question you type in, but they did not ask the question I had. He praised the team. He said, I let everyone down. I have the best team in the world, blah, blah, blah. I said, does that team include a sports psychologist? But they didn't answer, they didn't ask that. So – I don't want to call him a head case. He's won a world title. But when I'm sitting there as a 47-year-old male, anyone over the age of 40 is thinking, oh, my God, we're watching Steve Holman all over again. Right, Weldon? Well, that actually never crossed my mind. Donovan Brazier's at a whole other level than Steve Holman. So Do- Donovan Brazier's won the world championship. So Steve Holman, did he only choke at Olympic trials or also world championship trials? I don't know. No. So maybe I should actually, if you want to read my mistakes in the article, read it now because I'm going to take them out. It's unfair to compare him to Steve Holman. Those that don't know who Steve Holman is, back in the 90s when distance U.S. distance running sucks, Steve Holman would run like 332, 350 in the mile. He ran 350 in the mile in 1995 and 1996. Didn't make the U.S. team every year, any year. And maybe just because I was, 96 was like the first time I was really at a high level following the sport and I was there. I'll never forget the agony of Frank Agliano just screaming, oh, no, as, as Holman, like, tied up. But it's just – it's interesting. We're going to wonder that. You know, we heard he pulled out of a race, but I thought – I've got to give props up to Hopple, who made the team. Like, 100 meters to go, Hopple and Harris are right there, and Hopple holds him up. Hopple hasn't had a perfect buildup. I thought Brazier – he said it best, John. He, no one's had perfect buildups. You know, it's very rare when you're like Joe Clacker and you said everything's gone right. He's like, this is not something that should have held me back. And I just, I thought it was amazing. He owned up to it. He doesn't know what happened. Now, folks, it could just be, as he said, I think the actual quote, let me find the actual quote here. I mean, he just said he ran shitty, Robert. I mean, this was his first defeat in over two, in over two years, since May of 2019. And you got to remember that America is the best 800-meter runner. I mean, based on 2019 World Championships, they went 1-4. They had three guys in the final. Like, America is the best, or if not, like, you know, it's one of the best 800-meter nations in the world. If you do not bring it at the trials, even if you're a 142 guy like Donovan Brazier, you're going to get off the left, left off the team. He didn't run a good race. He ran a shitty race by his own admission. And that meant that he lost to two guys who ran 143, and then Bryce Hopple 144.14 in third. I mean, that's just a freaking hard team to make. Super fast. I mean, world leader. Jewett runs the number three time in the world. And yeah, you're right, John. But, you know, 
Razor said, this is the first time under my coach, Bill Joyner, that I couldn't really bring it. First time in a couple of years for, for sure. Because people ask, when's the last time? I mean, I immediately thought of the Olympic trials. But one of the stats that I, that I came up with is Brazier hasn't lost an 800 more than two years. And maybe in hindsight, it's easy as well to say to realize, oh, yeah, he was flawed. He ran that 1-800 outdoors, 145.09. He ran 144 indoors on May 9th. 145.9 in your season opener victory is good for most people. But this stat's crazy. Donovan Brazier, now he doesn't race that often on the circuit, but he had not run one over 145 in a non-championship race since June 8th of 2017, unless I made a mistake. So that race in Portland, I know it wasn't a big Diamond League race. It's a little different because of COVID and whatever, but just the actual time. But the weird thing is, like, coming in tonight, I was like, well, no, he ran 145.5 the other day. But 145 wouldn't have made this team. All right, so we've been Donovan. This has been Donovan Brazier for 12 minutes. I think we need to talk about Clayton Murphy now because this was a phenomenal race all around. I mean, and then we'll get to Isaiah. I mean, Isaiah Jewett, the cojones on that guy to go out and lead this U.S. final as a collegian. Now, granted, he's 24 years old, but still, I mean, incredible run by that guy to hold on and run 143. But we got to talk about Murphy. This was, I mean, his Olympic run is probably better, but this was one of the finest runs by Clayton Murphy's career. It was one of the best runs by an American in recent history. I mean, 143-17, like you said, negative split, Robert. And coming into this meet, we weren't even sure if he was going to make the team. I mean, this is a guy, what, the New York City qualified? He was like 7th in an 800. Maybe in retrospect, he was just doing this as a walk, that as a walkout or something. But, like, I don't know. Like, going in, I did not think that we were going to see a dominant victory by Clayton Murphy. And that's what we did. This was, I mean... This was incredibly impressive running, and Clayton Murphy's well and truly back. And you got to think now, world leader Brazier is out. Is this guy the gold medal favorite in Tokyo? That's pretty crazy, but uh, with his past Olympic success, I think you might say yes. It just shows how blessed America is at 800. I mean, the women as well. I mean, this is crazy. If you look at Murphy's 800s this year. He opened up 145.3. That was pretty good. And you talk about that trials a mile miles meet. He ran 147 there. And he was kind of like right up there and just seemed to not have it at the end. And then I think he ran a bunch, a couple 1500s. Uh, let me check the order of stuff. And then, no, then there was only one 1500 after that. I guess a road mile maybe in there as well. But... He looked great all the rounds here. Brings it 143.17 in the finals, and the Olympics are a month away. I mean, you just got to love this form and trajectory and the fact he's done it before. And he's he's back with his college coach. I mean, everything's just going tremendous. Should we as Let's Run.com take credit for his victory? Because I have not actually listened to his interview, but I've read the flash quotes. And someone says – you know, he says, I was in the second tier group coming into this. I like the chip on my shoulder, the doubt. My team and my new myself No, I'm not that type of person. And someone asked him to follow up on that. He says, with social media days and how our sport is, it's hard not to see it. I'm invested as a fan in every other event. It is not hard to read the middle distance preview. I kind of just accept it as long as I handle it the right way. It's only motivation. So who wrote the 800 recap on our staff? They can take I, for it. I didn't write the preview, but Robert, I will say this. I do think he saw us doubting him because he mentioned specifically the term lock 
And that's one, we wrote an article basically saying, hey, here are my locks for Tokyo. He was not among them in the 800 meters. So I'm betting he saw that. Clayton, if you're listening to this, I mean, I can't say how impressed I am by that. I mean, it was it was an amazing run. But yeah, he was like, look, I, I love, I mean, he's a fan of the sport. And he just might, he's like, look, I'm going to read all the other event previews and follow all the other events. I might as well full, read my own because I'm not really going to be able to avoid it. And he kind of likes, you know, the motivation that comes with it. So I thought, you know, cool, cool that he admitted to that. And uh, obviously, I think he proved a lot of people wrong. But the other thing we need to talk about, Murphy, he wasn't 100% coming to this either. He said last Thursday, he had a fairly serious hamstring issue. He wasn't really sure how he was going to handle it. Since then, he's only run 13 miles. And that's counting races, cool downs, warm ups, all that stuff. And really wasn't sure what he was going to be able to get out of his body this week in Eugene. But he said the adrenaline of the crowd and just, you know, being in the championship atmosphere that helped carry him through it. And he ran like a champion this weekend. So all, all the respect in the world to Clayton Murphy on an amazing performance tonight. And how about Isaiah Jewett? Let's, you know, let's, no, let's, let's give Murphy, I mean, let's give Brazier a pass because Brazier could have just had an off day because it was what? 12 days ago that Isaiah Jew had the first round of NCAs. I guess they technically call it the semifinals, but come on. He shows up NCAs. It's the first time he runs. He goes out to the front, ties up, and scrapes into the final in time. 148, I think. Then he wins NCAs at 144.6. We think that's good. That's his PR. And then what does he run tonight? 143.85. And he goes out in 50.6 and, again, just puts the cojones out there. It was so impressive. And the post-race Quotes. I mean, Quincy Watts has been elevated to the head coach at USC. Congrats to him because Jewett talks about what he said. He's like, you know, Quincy says just – he said, I, I just wanted to run basically my race and leave it all out on the track. And Quincy said when you start to hurt, something along the lines of when you – we'll have it in the post-race recap. When you start to hurt, that's when you know you're going to be great. And it's just – I don't know. I've got tingles just saying that. That kid went out there. And so I'm – Take it through your mindset. I'm watching the race. He's way out there, you know, on the backstretch, like between five and 600. And then you've got the three next three that we thought would be coming after him. You've got, you've got uh, Brazier, um, Hopple, and Murphy, and Jewett, and, and, and Harris is there too. But when I saw those three, I'm like, I don't think Jewett's coming back to them. Unless he ties up big time, one of these studs is based on the team. Which one is it going to be? And then I'm like, it's not going to be Murphy. And then right when Otto Bolden said, he's like, Brazier's in trouble. And right when he said that, he was done. So amazing stuff. But, I mean, think about it. You think you're over-raced? This guy's run, like, what, 10 races? Well, I guess two at NCAAs and three here. So amazing. But I think we saw, you know, a couple years ago that – and Robert, you pointed it out like the ideal number of races for an 800 meter runner can be very high. And there's a history of college runners, you know, doing well with Hopple two years ago being the most recent example. I'm not trying to diminish the accomplishment because if you told me Isaiah Jew would be running 143.8 a couple of weeks ago, I would have been like, uh, no, I'm sorry. Don't think so. Um, and he's just a really kind of, I don't know. I like his attitude, personal. He just embraces the moment being here. He said beforehand that, you know, his coach essentially, I don't remember the exact words, but essentially was like to 
I think it was confident. Oh, here, here it is. My coach told me to stay confident through the first lap. And the second lap, he literally told me to have fun. And, you know, I think that's what he did. He just went out there, laid it out there the first lap. And then he's like, look, man, you're at the biggest stage possible. Embrace the moment and see what happens. And he more than did it. And there were no nerves, no nothing, no pressure. Sort of the opposite of Brazier. But I think, you know, Brazier was showing with his comments that I, I don't think he was 100%, but I, it looked like it was more than just physical for Donovan. But, yeah. you know, it, it's easy for your body to desert you when they're going 143, you know, Jewett's on 143.8 pace pretty much the whole way, right? So, like, if Brazier's in, like, 144 low pace, he tries to push too hard and his fitness isn't there. Who knows? Maybe that's I mean, what happened. you got to be in 143 shape to make this team, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, 144 by 14 by Harple, but pretty close to it. I have a question for you guys. Who do you think's older, Donovan Brazier or Isaiah Jewett? Well, that's obviously a trick question. So then I have to say Isaiah Jewett. It's Isaiah Jewett. Yeah. He's uh, two months older than Donovan Brazier. Pretty crazy. I would have never done that, folks. I would have never known that. Congratulations. See, that's going to be a quick take in there. And also, um, for any of the coaches out there who are getting a little shit from your athletes, uh, Isaiah. So Pat Hinner, who's now coached, I think, what, Arizona State, former Georgetown coach, he was a coach at USC for a while, and he, he left. And the new coach is uh, Jebra Harris. And he came in, and, and Isaiah didn't like him at first, it sounded like, or was just kind of hard on him. He said, oh, you know, I was too hard, hard on Coach Harris. Well, congratulations, Coach Harris and Coach Watts. You guys did a tremendous job with him. So I think it's just a, it's a – He's just a really cool story. He's got a cool attitude. He's into the anime. John, is is anime, the fact that I barely know what anime is, is that an indication of my age or just like my interest? Uh, it's your age. I mean, I don't think there's a lot of 40-year-old white guys who are into anime. It's more of a younger person's thing. Okay, he's really into anime. He's got some anime recommendations. We, we can give those to you guys. All right, shall we move on? I mean, that was that was an amazing race. That might have been... I think for me, it's the race of the trials to this point. Uh, but we should talk. There were some other great races tonight as well. I think we should go to the women's 1500. This, to me, it's pretty clear. It's Ellie Paria taking the women's 1500 in the United States by the scruff of the neck and saying, I own this event for the next four years, pretty much. Hey, corporate orders, we can't give away the candies for free got to join the Supporters Club to hear our breakdown of the rest of the action from last night and to get daily podcast from the trials. So join today, let'srun.com slash subscribe. Or, hey, it's okay. You don't have to join. Our regular podcast will be out midweek as well. Thanks for listening.